Welcome, friends! I'm your host, Adrian, and yes, you found us, Tea with Puppets, a podcast about Canadian stamp collecting. Yeah! This is episode number 23, and today we'll be talking about the second stamp released by Canada Post for their Canada 150 celebration. More in just a moment. Hello friends, thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about the second stamp released in the Canada 150 set, a stamp honoring the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the patriation of the Constitution in 1982. It was surprising to me when I read the news coverage around the release of the stamp how much was omitted from the story. They mostly ignored the controversies that have surrounded the signing, or lack thereof by Quebec, of the Constitution into law and the debate of the notwithstanding clause and how it actually weakened the charter. I debated heavily myself how deeply I wanted to get into it, and for that matter, the interest of you, the listener, about such a topic. I've decided to not delve too deep into it. There are plenty of resources you can read about those events, and I will link to them in the show notes. I thought this would be a fair warning for those who, A, might concern themselves that I don't address these issues today, or B, who thought I might go too deep into it. So rest assured, I will cover some of it, but not go too deep, because at the end of the day, this is a podcast about stamps and not of politics and history. So let's begin. How did it all happen that on a wet and windy day on April 17th, 1982, Queen Elizabeth II found herself in Ottawa signing the Proclamation of the Constitution Act 1982? First, let's go back to 1867. At the time of Confederation, Canada's constitution consisted mainly of the British North American Act and a series of British constitutional conventions widely accepted unwritten rules. The main point was that only London had the authority to amend the BNA Act. For the most part, Canadians at the time were fine with this. In 1931, Britain issues the Statute of Westminster, by which the British were willing to grant full autonomy to the self-governing parts of their empire, including Canada. Canada decided to allow the British Parliament to temporarily retain the power to amend Canada's constitution on request from the Parliament of Canada until they could figure out some important details. Here are just some of the questions they needed to figure out. Could the federal government be allowed to amend the Constitution unilaterally, or was the provincial consent required? Did all provinces need to agree to an amendment, or just a majority? Should all provinces be counted equally, or should larger provinces have more say than smaller ones? And should Quebec have a veto that would allow the province to protect the interests of the minority French Canadians? Until these kinds of questions could be settled, the British Parliament retained the authority to amend Canada's constitution. This isn't to say Canada sat still in trying to figure it all out. For example, the British North American Act II in 1949 granted the Parliament of Canada limited power to amend the Constitution in many areas of its own jurisdiction without involvement of the United Kingdom. The Constitution was amended in this manner five times in 1952, 1965, 1974, and twice in 1975. Negotiations continued sporadically between the federal and provincial governments on the development of a new amending formula in which the United Kingdom would have no part. In the 1960s, efforts by the governments of Prime Ministers John Diefenbaker and Lester B. Pearson were unsuccessful. There were also some successes, though, and important developments. One of which, which we'll highlight now, is that there was the Canadian Bill of Rights, which was introduced by the government of John Diefenbaker in 1960. 
This really would be the precursor to the 1982 Charter. However, there was one small issue with this Bill of Rights. It was only a federal statute rather than a constitutional document. Therefore, it was limited in scope and could easily be amended. So with that, this gave even more reason for some to push for something more concrete. As always, the main sticking point was due in large part to the lack of agreement concerning a method for amending the Constitution that would be acceptable to all the provinces, and this was particularly true in Quebec. When Pierre Elliott Trudeau was elected Prime Minister in 1968, he too wanted to solve the Canadian Constitution problem. He made several attempts, including the Victoria Charter in 1971 and more proposed amendments in 1978. At the 1978-79 conference, Trudeau prepared for the first time to provide some federal concessions with regards to the division of power, including family law, fisheries, and resources. However, the other premiers balked at his offer, which led to speculation they were waiting to see if the more provincial-friendly progressive conservatives would win the 1979 federal election. In that campaign, the Liberals ran on constitutional change, including a speech at the Maple Leaf Gardens in which Trudeau promised unilateral action if the premiers did not agree to patriation. Trudeau did lose the 1979 election to the Progressive Conservatives, and then Trudeau announced his decision to resign as leader of the Liberal Party following its defeat in 1979. However, no leadership convention had been held when Joe Clark's Progressive Conservatives government had fallen. So Trudeau quickly rescinded his resignation and led the party to victory in the 1980 election campaign, winning 34 more seats than it had in the 1979 federal election. This enabled the Liberals to form a strong majority government and set them up for a major showdown with the Quebec sovereignty movement in Quebec. Now, the Quebec people had elected the Parti Québécois ran by René Lévesque, and there was a referendum in 1980. In May 1980, during the Quebec referendum campaign on sovereignty, Pierre Trudeau promised Quebecers that if they voted no, Ottawa would reopen constitutional negotiations. When the separatist side was defeated, Trudeau immediately began a process to create an amending formula for the Constitution. There were conferences all that summer, but every time they got close to an agreement, things took step backwards from demands of one province or another. Trudeau got fed up by the stalemate in the negotiations and decided to take action. On October 2, 1980, Trudeau announced his intention to proceed alone and asked the British to amend the BNA Act according to a resolution from the Parliament in Ottawa. Opposition leader Joe Clark did his best to slow the resolution in the House of Commons while the provincial premiers took Trudeau's government to the court on the matter. On September 28, 1981, the Supreme Court of Canada issued their ruling. Legally, Trudeau could proceed with a resolution to the Senate and House of Commons, but there was a constitutional convention that Ottawa should seek substantial provincial support before asking Britain for amendments. The decision resulted in another meeting amongst all the provincial premiers and Trudeau in Ottawa on the 2nd of November, 1981. The conference opened with Trudeau announcing an openness to a new amending formula. There was much back and forth, talk of a referendum on the Charter, then there wasn't a talk about a referendum, and then finally there was apparently a backroom deal in the kitchen. I'm not going to get into the details of this because this is a podcast about stamps and not politics. What you need to know about this is simply depending on what you believe. The night of November 4th, 1981 was either that of great dealing and horse trading, which brought the notwithstanding clause into the Constitution, or as some call it, the Kitchen Accord. If you're from Quebec, you're more likely to learn of this night as the great betrayal of the people of Quebec, with this event being termed the Night of the Long Knives, where a deal was struck as the Quebec delegation was asleep at the hotel. Whatever you believe, the fact is 9 out of 10 provinces agreed to an amending formula. 
Trudeau moved forward, and then finally, royal assent was given by the Queen to the new Canada Act and the Constitution Act on March 29, 1982. Elizabeth II, then as Queen of Canada, proclaimed the Patriated Constitution in Ottawa on April 17, 1982. Let's have a listen to Trudeau's speech and coverage on this day from the CBC. Your Royal Highness, Excellencies, fellow Canadians, mes chers compatriotes, fellow citizens, today, at long last, Canada is acquiring full and complete national sovereignty. The Constitution of Canada has finally come home. And in the future, we will now be capable of amending it in Canada without any further recourse to the Parliament of the United Kingdom. In the name of all Canadians, may I say how pleased and honoured we are that Your Majesty and Your Royal Highness have journeyed to Canada to share with us this day of historic achievement. We now have a charter which defines the kind of country in which we wish to live and guarantees the basic rights and freedoms which each of us shall enjoy as a citizen of Canada. It reinforces the protection offered to French-speaking Canadians outside Quebec and to English-speaking Canadians in Quebec. It recognizes our multicultural character. It upholds the equality of women and the rights of disabled persons. The Constitution confirms the long-standing division of powers among governments in Canada and even strengthens provincial jurisdiction over natural resources and property rights. It entrenches the principle of equalization, thus helping less wealthy provinces to discharge their obligations without excessive taxation. It offers a way to meet the legitimate demands of our native people. And of course, by its amending formula, it now permits us to complete the task of constitutional renewal in Canada. Le gouvernement québécois. The government of Quebec decided that that wasn't enough. It decided not to participate in this ceremony, this ceremony which celebrates Canada's full independence. I know that many Quebecers feel that they are pulled in two directions by that decision. But one need look only at the results of the referendum in May 1980 to realize how very strong is the attachment to Canada among the people of Quebec. By definition, by definition, the silent majority does not make a lot of noise. 
It is content to make history. History will show, however, that in the guarantees which are written into the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and in the amending formula which allows Quebec to opt out of any constitutional arrangement which touches upon language and culture and that with full financial compensation Nothing essential to the originality of Quebec has been sacrificed. Moreover, the process of constitutional reform has not come to an end. The two orders of government have made a solemn pledge to define more precisely the rights of native peoples. At the same time, they must work together to strengthen the Charter of Rights, including language rights, in the various provinces. And finally, they must try to work out a better division of powers amongst the two levels of government. However, be recognized that no constitution, no charter, of rights and freedoms, no sharing of powers can be a substitute for the willingness to share the risks and grandeur of the Canadian adventure. Without that collective act of the will, our constitution would be a dead letter and our country would wither away. It's true that our will to live together has sometimes appeared to be in deep hibernation. But it is there nevertheless, alive and tenacious in the hearts of Canadians of every province and territory. I My wish, My wish is simply, simply that the bringing home of our Constitution, Constitution marks, marks the end of a long winter, the breaking up of the ice jams, and the beginning of a new spring. For what we're celebrating today is not so much the completion of our task, but the renewal of our hope. Not so much an ending, but a fresh beginning. Let us celebrate the renewal and patriation of our Constitution. But let us put our faith first and foremost in the people of Canada who will breathe life into it. It's in that spirit of faith and of confidence that I join with Canadians everywhere in sharing this day of achievement. It is in their name, Your Majesty, that I now invite you, the Queen of Canada, to give solemn proclamation to our new Constitution. The Prime Minister's speech completed, a strong speech calling on Canadians to celebrate, but also pointing out to Quebecers that he understands their dilemma at a time when their government does not agree with the package that is being proclaimed into law today. The Queen will now 
head towards the uh, desk where the actual signing will take place. And Barbara, it's starting to rain very gently. One description is spitting. It's a gentle rain. Let's hope it holds off. The moment the Queen puts her signature on this document, it becomes law. It will be witnessed later. Constitution is now home. The fanfare in the background, as you can hear. The document being witnessed by the Prime Minister, the Minister of Justice, and the Attorney General, Jean Chrétien. He will be followed by the Registrar General, André Ouellette. It's ironic, isn't it, Peter, that the, the three names of, of Canadian officials that will be going on to this document are, are names of ministers from Quebec, the province that the Prime Minister was just speaking to in French a moment ago. Final signature of witness to the document that has brought our Constitution home, the Constitution Act 1982. Patriation, the new amending formula, and the Charter of Rights are now, at this moment, in law. The proclamation is picked up by Michael Kirby, the deputy clerk of the Kirby Council. Huguette LaBelle, the Undersecretary of State, reads the proclamation. The United Kingdom, Canada, and her other realms and territories, Queen. Head of the Commonwealth, defender of the faith. To all to whom these presents shall come, or whom the same may in any way concern, greeting a proclamation. Whereas in the past, certain amendments to the Constitution of Canada have been made by the Parliament of the United Kingdom at the request and with the consent of Canada. And whereas it is in accord with the status of Canada as an independent state that Canadians be able to amend their constitution in Canada in all respects. And whereas it is desirable to provide in the constitution of Canada for the recognition of certain fundamental rights and freedoms and to make other amendments to the Constitution. And whereas the Parliament of the United Kingdom has therefore, at the request and with the consent of Canada, enacted the Canada Act, which provides for the patriation and amendment of the Constitution of Canada. And whereas Section 58 of the Constitution Act 1982 set out in Schedule B to the Canada Act provides that the Constitution Act 1982 shall, subject to Section 59 thereof, come into force on a day to be fixed by proclamation 
issued under the Great Seal of Canada. Now know you that we, by and with the advice of our Privy Council for Canada, do by this our proclamation declare that the Constitution Act 1982 shall, subject to Section 59 thereof, come into force on the 17th day of April in the year of our Lord, 1982, of all which our loving subjects and all others whom these presents may concern are hereby required to take notice and to govern themselves accordingly. In testimony whereof, we have caused these, our letters, to be made patent and the great seal of Canada to be hereunto affixed at our city of Ottawa, the 17th day of April, on the year of our Lord, 1982, and in the 31st year of our reign. By Her Majesty's command, God save the Queen. And now the Queen will speak to the nation. Her speech will be uh, brought to her by her Canadian secretary, Mr. Henry Davis. Presents it to the Queen, a speech, of course, approved, if not written, in the Prime Minister's office. Queen Elizabeth II. It was on the 29th of March, 1867, that the ascent of my great-great-grandmother, Queen Victoria, was signified in Parliament at Westminster with the British North America Act, which created the Canadian Federation. Precisely 115 years later, on the 29th of March of this year, my ascent was signified at Westminster for the Canada Act, embodying the Constitution Act, which, as Queen of Canada, I have just had the great pleasure of bringing into force by proclamation here on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. I am pleased and proud to be with you today, not only to celebrate the patriation of the Constitution, but to rejoice in Canada, its past, its present, and its future. If the ideal of the country, which Canadians wish to continue, building together may seem a defiant challenge to history, there is nevertheless reason to believe it can be realized. I have seen Canadians working together for the good of all the people. I have seen the vision of this country take shape in the lives of Canadians. 
There is now a greater confidence among Canadians that people of the two official language communities can live fuller and richer lives together than in mutual isolation. Among French-speaking Canadians, I sense a stronger realization that there are growing opportunities for them to play their rightful role in the development of Canada in every field and, indeed, at every level. Perhaps the most significant step in Canada's history was the decision of the communities to take pride in their several languages and cultures rather than to deplore the differences. Quebec was both the inspiration and the principal agent of the profound transformation which has resulted from that decision. Although we regret the absence of the Premier of Quebec, it is right to associate the people of Quebec with this celebration because without them, Canada would not be what it is today. Differences persist. In this vast and vigorous land, they always will. The genius of Canadian federalism, however, lies in your consistent ability to overcome differences through reason and compromise. That ability is reflected in the willingness of the ordinary people of French-speaking and English-speaking Canada and of the various regions to respect each other's rights and to create together the conditions under which all may prosper in freedom. There is a historic relationship between the Crown and Canada's Aboriginal peoples, and I am therefore particularly pleased that this innate respect for fellow Canadians is also reflected in the willingness of the national and provincial governments to consult with the representatives of native peoples and to work out solutions to long-standing problems of rights and opportunities. Constitutional revision is really a matter of adapting to changing needs and circumstances, while safeguarding stability and providing protection for guaranteed rights. Change and movement are essential signs of life. The Constitution which so splendidly met the needs of the very young Canada of the late 19th century, could not have anticipated the conditions of national life in 1982 and beyond. It is fitting, therefore, that the main features of Canada's new constitution should be that it strengthens the rights of its people 
while establishing a process of amendment which will make needed changes easier to accomplish than they were in the past. Today, I have proclaimed this new constitution, one that is truly Canadian at last. There could be no better moment for me as Queen of Canada to declare again my unbounded confidence in the future of this wonderful country. May God bless and keep you all. And so with that, Canada had established the final step in complete sovereignty as an independent country. So what is the result? The Charter as part of the Constitution is clear in the rights we as Canadians have. For example, under the Charter, Canadians have the right to freedom of speech, religion and thought, freedom of the press, and much more. For example, in Canada, there are important linguistic rights. The Charter also confers equality upon every individual in Canada, regardless of race, religion, nationality, ethnic origin, color, sex, age, and physical or mental disability. The Charter also makes it clear governments must not discriminate on any grounds to anyone protected by the Charter with any law or program. Also because of the Charter, the scope of judicial review was greatly expanded because the Charter is more explicit with the respect to the guarantee of rights and the role of judges in enforcing them. And let's not forget perhaps the most controversial provision of the Charter, the Notwithstanding Clause, which allows Parliament or provincial legislators to override certain portions of the Charter for a limited time. Many see this as a fundamental flaw, while others argue it keeps the courts from overstepping their bounds. Whatever you believe, this moment in 1982 is a day modern Canada came into existence and therefore was a great topic for a stamp by Canada Post. Now, in terms of Quebec not signing to this day, Quebec has still not signed the Canadian Constitution. However, it is still the law of the land. And there have been attempts to bring Quebec into the fold. There was the Meech Lake Accord, which failed, and there was the Charlottetown Accord in 1992, which also failed and was the last time that any attempt was made to bring Quebec in as a signer of the Constitution. However, the law still applies because it is an amendment to the BNA Act, which Quebec did sign all those years ago. So now let's turn ourselves away from the politics and the history and let's learn more about the stamp just released. But actually, one more thing. I would be remiss not to mention this is the second time the Constitution of 1982 is celebrated on a stamp. On Scott 916, Canada Post released a stamp on the 16th of April 1982, the day before the Queen signed the act with Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. The stamp is a depiction of a book, maybe one of history you could say, and on the right hand side it bears a simple inscription, Constitution 1982. So now let's turn to this new stamp just unveiled. As I mentioned earlier, this is the second stamp to be issued in the set of 10 that marks Canada 150 by celebrating unforgettable moments in the last 50 years of the country. All the stamps will be available starting June 1st. They are also the first stamps in Canada Post history to be issued in the shape of a maple leaf. The stamp was designed by Roy White and Liz Wurzinger of Subplot Design, Inc. in Vancouver, BC. The stamp's design depicts a section of the cover of the printed act, but the true beauty of this stamp can be seen on the official first day cover. It features a section of the cover of the printed act, and I'll make sure to add some photos of the first day cover to the podcast notes, along with some video content of the actual stamp unveiling. One thing I do want to make sure you're aware is that if you don't collect official first day covers from Canada Post, this may be the year to consider doing so. Only 10,000 packs of 10, one for each stamp issued, are being made available. It is definitely the best way to enjoy these stamps. I have mine on order, 
Don't miss out and make sure you get yours. So that's it for the 23rd episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing the show with your friends. We also appreciate you rating the show on your favorite app. Taking the time to do this helps people find our show. Also, don't forget, if you're looking for more info about the show, make sure to check us out at teawithpuppets.com. On our website, you'll be able to see the stamps we mentioned in this episode and more by clicking on the show notes image on the top right corner of the website or by clicking the link we've added to the description of this podcast episode. Don't forget, if you have any podcast feedback, ideas for guests, cool stories, or more, we'd love to hear it too. You can email us over at feedback at teawithpuppets.com. Finally, if you're on Facebook, make sure to like our page or follow us on Twitter at our handle, Tea with Puppets. It's the best place besides our website to get updates about this podcast. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon for our next episode. Have a super rest of the day, and happy collecting.